0: This is the news and talk of Nevada. Now,
1: Nevada Outlook, a discussion of Northern Nevada issues on News Talk 780
0: KOH.
2: Good morning. I'm Daniela Cenino, and welcome to Nevada Outlook. Today, we are talking with Josh Cabral with Rural Nevada Counseling about a $100,000 grant they got from Google to expand mental health services in the rurals. You guys just received $100,000 to expand services, mental health services for people in northern Nevada, specifically in the rurals, right? Correct. Tell me, did they reach out to you guys or did you guys apply for the grant? How did that all break down?
3: It was kind of a combination of both we identified that they were, they were recognizing basically mental health in Nevada. And so we reached out to them and kind of just inquired as to what they were looking at and whatnot. And then they reached back out to us and we kind of corresponded back and forth and then I had a phone conversation with them and kind of gave them a picture of what we were trying to do and they you know asked you know how can we help kind of a thing and it kind of went from there.
2: Wow I'm getting a little emotional here so one person can change the world is what you're saying.
3: That's what that's I I believe that, yeah.
2: And you're trying to take that first step to do that. How huge is that for the people that really need mental health services? Where are you guys going with this?
3: So we actually have offices in Fernley, Dayton, Urington, and Silver Springs, as well as some. we have two transitional homes, one in Dayton and one in Silver Springs. And so we kind of cover all of rural Lyon County. And in speaking with Google, the direction that we're trying to go um, is to reach out to not necessarily just Lyon County, but Story County as well, because Story County services are pretty limited. Um, And then with, you know, with all of the, what they're building up in USA Parkway and all of that, like it it, it's close to Reno, but um, it's not in Washoe County. And so we we kind of have discussed wanting to um, just get out and make a presence in like USA Parkway area. And as they develop out there and just kind of have, have it known that, that you know, if services are needed in that area that we would be willing to go out there and um, offer them, as well as um, we're expanding a lot of our services at our existing sites. So like a lot of our services um, at our existing sites, were more substance use, specific, and we're expanding those to mental health and psychiatry and PSR work and more kind of field work and mobile crisis and things like that. And so we're trying to expand what we already have as well as reach out to um, some additional areas of rural Nevada. Um, our Silver Spring site has had basically every service there is in the behavioral health world, and what I'm in the middle of doing is expanding all of those additional services to all of our other offices so that so we just... October 1st, um, we expanded our behavioral health, mental health, psychiatric services to our Fernley office, and we're in the process of expanding those to our other two sites in Lyon County as well.
2: When you talk about expanding, does that mean you're building a new building, or are you just bringing some counselors and opening a portion of a wing that you already have?
3: Yeah, no, we're not building anything new or buying anything new. As far as um, buildings go, we have everything that we need. In Lyon County, what we're doing is we're um, bringing in additional people, additional employees, additional services to be able to provide more at the sites that we already have.
2: Josh Cabral with Rural Nevada Counseling. A lot of research shows that we rank as the worst state in the nation for mental health
3: resources. I don't disagree. I think that it's getting better, and I think that our what's called a CCBHC model is um, as that grows in Nevada, I think that that research will probably change. I think that the data will show differently as time goes on, but I, I don't disagree with that statement.
2: Research shows we are the worst state in the nation for opportunities for people to seek out mental health services. It's just We just don't have them. And I'm guessing it's because our state is rural, right? Right. And right. they just don't have services like that in Austin and Tonopah and places like that, right? Right. This $100,000, can you tell me how exactly that cash is going to be spent?
3: I just took over running this agency about five months ago. And when I took it over, um, it it needed some help and it needed some some direction and some guidance and, and some um, refining, let's say. And I have... I've worked in this field for a little while, and um, so when I came in a few months back, like I said, I started in May, so what, four or five months ago. Um, when I came in, I kind of just looked at the whole agency, what we were doing, how we were reaching the community, how did people know about us, what our reputation was, things like that, and really have kind of started to rebuild um, this agency, kind of rebuild the foundation. Try to get our name out there and whatnot. And so, a, a, a part of what I'm doing now is rebranding. We're changing our logo. We're changing. We're, we're rebuilding our website. We're redoing our all of our signage. We're redoing our um, anything kind of PR related or or web based. That, like, if you were to Google rural Nevada counseling a couple of months ago, you would be very confused as to where to go, where to call, who to talk to, what we did, what we didn't do, and things like that. And so right now what we're in the process of doing is fixing all of that, rectifying that. Um, like I said, we're currently completely rebuilding, redoing our website. Um, we're, we're changing our logo. We'll have pamphlets. We'll have flyers. We'll have one-pagers that we can take into the community Take up to USA Parkway, um, incorporate EAP, become an EAP provider for whoever wants to play with us, right, or whoever wants to to go there with us. So what that would look like is me going up to, um, say Amazon or 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 some of these places at USA Parkway and saying, "Hey, here's who we are. Here's a pamphlet. Here's a card. Here's the services that we offer." if any of your employees are struggling or need somebody to talk to or would need to engage in any kind of therapy or whatever, um, here's what we can offer, here's what we can do. Um, and, and basically try to, to get involved and be some of these agencies' employee assistance programs so that, um, you know, a person that lives in Fernley or a person that lives in Dayton or a person that lives in Virginia City or whatever um, instead of doing, you know, telehealth services with a, you know, multi million dollar company in Chicago, they can do it in their own backyard or we can even go to them at their work or at their house or at the park or whatever and provide those same services in person. Um, so a lot of the money that we're getting is going to be utilized to help promote our business and help um, promote what we do to new. Faces and new, you know, new uh, stakeholders in the community and things like that, as well as we'll be using some of that money to um, uh, pay employees to be able to go out and do that. Um, So, one of the other things that we do, um, again, when I started, they were kind of, it was kind of broken, but. Um, We do mobile crisis, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week mobile crisis.
2: Tell me how that works. So if I'm having an issue at home, I can call you guys and you'll come to my house?
3: Yep, you can call. um, So we have, basically, we have a crisis line, um, and that crisis line is manned by a licensed mental health therapist, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, you know, you... Get an argument with your husband. It's midnight, and you're, you know, depressed. You're feeling like you don't want to live anymore. Something like that. You simply just pick up your cell phone. You call this cell phone, and a live person answers it. And depending on how that conversation goes, if it's something that can be, if this person can be de escalated over the phone, great. If not, then we'll go to you, and we will, you know, sit and and talk with you until you're. Um, stable. And if you're not stable, and you need to go to a facility of some kind, or, you know, you need some sort of assistance or guidance or help, then we'll facilitate to get all that taken care of.
2: You're not gonna have me locked up, you can come and just talk me down, so to speak, and uh, I can feel better about life. And then you'll leave, I don't have to go in as a 5150 on that at that point.
3: No, we actually, the whole purpose of mobile crisis is to divert people out of the ER and jails. And so the people that carry these phones doing in Nevada what we call a legal 2000, what you're referring to as a 5150 in Nevada, it's called a legal 2000. That's like the absolute last resort. We we train our staff and all of our mental health clinicians are trained in a manner uh, that basically is like, do everything that you can so that we don't have to hospitalize this person.
2: Josh Cabral, thank you so much for this conversation about the $100,000 donation that you acquired from Google. I'm going to let everybody know what's the website so people can learn about the services you offer in all those locations like Dayton and Fernley.
3: Rural Nevada Counseling, all spelled out, .org.
2: I'm Daniella Senino and this is Nevada Outlook.
1: News Talk 780 KOH. I'm Jim Fannin. This is Nevada Outlook. Today, we talk with David Mitchell, founder of Patients for Affordable Drugs. For him, this is not an intellectual exercise. It's personal. Tell us why, David.
0: I have an incurable blood cancer. It's called multiple myeloma. It's incurable, but it's treatable for some unknown period of time with very expensive drugs. Right now, my dr- doctors have me on a four-drug combination that carries a list price of more than $900,000 a year. Uh, now, I'm very grateful for these drugs. They literally are keeping me alive, but they are wildly overpriced, uh, and my journey as a cancer patient, finding out what happens if you're unlucky enough to contract a disease that requires very expensive drugs, taught me... a uh, fundamental truth. And that is drugs don't work if people can't afford them. Uh, And so I retired at the end of 2016 and said, well, gosh, I'm going to see if we can't mobilize patients to speak up on their own behalf and uh, fight to lower drug prices." And that's what we do.
1: And David, we've talked a lot uh, about inflation this year, this past two years. Uh, We know what's happened at the gas pumps. We know what's happened at the grocery store, uh, for transportation, for tuition, uh, all of these things. But what's happening with the price of drugs? They are going up even faster, aren't they?
0: Yeah. uh, The rate of inflation has gone up, I think, about 17 or 18 percent in prescription drugs somewhere. Almost double that, 35, 36 percent. Uh, And the reason is we let drug corporations dictate the prices of brand-name drugs in this country. We let them raise prices at will. Uh, They increase prices once, twice a year, at whatever amount they want. Uh, And the result is people are hurt by it. People in the United States pay almost four times what people in other wealthy nations pay for the exact same brand-name drugs. And, you know, three out of ten Americans report that they can't afford to take their drugs as directed because of the cost. Uh, so a new law was just passed within the last few weeks called the Inflation Reduction Act. And it includes breakthrough landmark provisions reforming the way drugs are priced uh, in this country.
1: I mean, when we look at things like uh, insulin, that. Uh that cap on insulin prices is only going to apply to people who are on Medicare. So, so many people are being left out. We've got to do a lot more. Don't we, David?
0: Yes, we do. But let me tick through what's in this law because it was such a breakthrough for the first time. Medicare is going to be able to negotiate directly with drug companies to use its purchasing power to get a better deal for Americans. Second, Starting next year, if a drug company raises its prices faster than the rate of inflation for Medicare, it's going to have to pay a rebate. In other words, we're going to tell them, you don't get to raise your prices faster than inflation. You don't get to raise your prices at will. Third, for the first time ever, there's going to be an out-of-pocket cap for people uh, in the Medicare prescription drug program. Right now, patients like me can pay uh, more than $16,000 a year out-of-pocket for their drugs. Starting in 2025, that'll be capped at $2,000 a year out of pocket. And as you mentioned, Gene, for the first time next year, there'll be a cap on what people who depend on insulin have to pay for their insulin prescriptions at $35 a month. Now, having said all that, it's going to save millions of people millions of dollars, but we were unable to extend all of those protections to people in the private sector, and the reason was we couldn't get one Republican vote in either the House or the Senate, uh, which is very unfortunate. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, the Democrats stood firm, the president stood firm, and we passed this law that is going to help millions of Americans save millions of dollars. But we still have fight ahead of us to make sure that we do more. To extend these kinds of benefits to everyone in this country,
1: there are also a lot of people who are on medications that involve, you know, their quality of life. It's maybe not a life and death issue for them, but it's a quality of life issue. And
0: yes, and we need to also uh, fix insurance practices. Um, the problem with prescription drugs pricing starts with the prices that are set by the drug companies. But all downstream people are making money uh, off of prescription drugs. Physicians who administer drugs in their uh, doctor's offices and hospitals, they mark up drugs. Uh, The people who run the prescription drug benefit programs, they mark up drugs. Uh, They take what is called rebates, but they take a piece of the action on the way through. Uh, So we have problems, starting with the prices set by drug companies and downstream as well. And we work along all of those, Uh, but right now we're going to have a fight just to implement the bill that we just passed, because the drug companies say they're going to fight to stop it, uh, and some Republicans are saying they're going to repeal it. Uh, So we're going to fight to make sure we solidify the win we just had as we begin to take on other parts of the system.
1: You know, David, I think one of the things that uh, annoys people who understand it and who know about it is not only are we here in the U.S. paying more for prescription drugs, in many cases uh, we have subsidized the research and development that goes into those same drugs. So we pay for the research, and then we pay on the other end as well, with uh, exorbitant prices for those drugs.
0: Every single drug approved by the FDA from 2010 to 2019 was based on science paid for by taxpayers through the NIH. The mRNA vaccines, those were ready to be brought to market quickly because of years of investment, millions of dollars, by the federal government uh, that made that technology available. Uh, And drug companies, when a drug shows promise, they say, oh, well, I'd like to have that intellectual property, and I'll commercialize it and bring it to market. And then they charge us outrageous prices, even though our initial investment in basic science made it possible for them to bring that drug to market. So yes, we're being paid, we're being um, hurt in both ways end when we pay for the research, at the back end when we pay for the drug.
1: So, David, what else do we need to do to protect patients? And to I mean, beyond protecting this law that has just passed, we need to do more. What can we do? What can patients do to reduce their costs? Give us some hints about how we uh, get through this, this forest.
0: Well, I would ask people to come to our website, patientsforaffordabledrugs.org. Leave us your story of the challenges you've had with high drug prices. Give us your email address. We don't ask patients for money. Uh, but your story and your voice your, are are incredibly powerful in, in uh, making clear to policymakers and elected officials that we need reforms and we need to lower both prices and what we pay out of pocket. And there's more to do to reform the system. And if people will give us their stories, give us their email addresses, we will put those to work to help counter the millions of dollars that the drug companies have to try and fight reform.
1: And I think people seeing those stories, it's going to change minds. It's going to direct people, I think, in the right direction to, to understand. It may not be happening to me now, but it could any day now.
0: Well, trust me, I didn't know... Uh, the toll that high prices could take on you if you happen to have the bad luck to get a disease that required uh, high-priced drugs to manage, like I have. Um, You know, uh, the cost of my four drugs, uh, cancer drugs, that my doctors are giving me right now is more than $900,000 a year. Just one of those drugs costs less than a dollar per capsule to make, and sells for almost one thousand dollar per capsule we're being taken advantage of and uh you don't know until you walk right into it and find out how painful and unfair it can be we
1: thank our guest david mitchell founder of patients for affordable drugs uh he takes medicines to keep him alive at a very great cost as he battles multiple myeloma We've been talking about the new law that reduces drug prices and saves patients thousands of dollars. I'm Jim Fannin. Thanks for being with us on Nevada Outlook.
2: you listen.